where does that boundary lie between what is my business and what is the supplier? Well, you may as well plan to get ransomware right now if you don't have a framework for managing your risk. We wanted in this uh, podcast the listeners to sort of have some relevance in terms of hot news. So we had a hot news section. The concept of this in the next few minutes is we're going to go through what's going on in the right in the world right now and try and bring it back to supplier management and some of the challenges around it. So even though I think businesses over the last was it twenty five years globalization, thirty years globalization has been a topic, we've seen them talk about establishing those widespread supply chains. I think the series of events that's happened over the last five plus years um, has really challenged that somewhat. So I think memory serves me right. Twenty sixteen Brexit was announced, and from that was a slew of conversations about trade deals and free market access, which was challenging supply lines and suppliers and buyers equally. And and that that didn't appear solved by any measure until the pandemic came along in sort of March 2020, which then had a different take on supply chains and supplier demand, which was the resources conducting the work from either being building the product to actually getting it to the customer was then challenged in terms of the number of people available to do it because of the pandemic. And and I don't think we've even emerged from the pandemic slightly. We're getting better. And then we have now this sort of this unrest in Europe and, and Ukraine and that, that further is challenging supply lines for, for very different reasons. But I think what you can see over the last five years with those topics, or those series of events, should I say, that vendor management is like hard, right? It's tough. It's, it's post-contract management of your suppliers is, is difficult, whether you're the customer, buyer, supplier, uh, and perhaps it's always been difficult, maybe since 2008, since the financial bump that we had had caused a lot more regulation, a lot more focus in this space to, to be borne out. So hot news, like I said, conversation topic one, rising energy costs. So how does this impact um, contract obligations? Should organisations be flexible to pricing changes? Obviously, we've got that rising costs coming through. That is going to have to be borne somewhere. Gents, wanted to get your thoughts on this. So Jesse, you first. Sure. Um, this rising energy cost puts pressure on you know, margin. Ultimately, if uh, well, it's different kinds of pressure, but you have to understand the impact of just commodity inflation, right? The energy costs that have to do with constructing and transporting elements that form up, you know, the, the, whatever is let's say in, in your supply chain has to come together to, and then bringing that that to market ultimately. That's something that you're going to probably think of as just, it, it may not always go up, up and down, but inflationary pressure. You, you have to understand how that's ultimately what cost you're going to put forward. And then there's interesting things now, like it's not just the cost of that resource has increased, therefore costs more to build and ship around, move around the commodity. Well, in conflict zones, you 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 have all kinds of new fuel costs because you have to use more, right? You have to, the airspace is closed over this way. So if if you are in Europe and you're still dependent on some Russian crude or gas, that's going to get to you potentially in a different way. Uh, even if it's the same stuff, there might be plenty more transportation costs just because it has to go so much further to get around all this, all this risk and terrible conflict and everything. So, uh, the first step that we that we our community would say is should you should do is kind of model and understand that 
and this is a larger topic, but pursuant to a framework of, of how you manage risk generally. But then you're going to want to build in some alternatives, right? So if your supply chain is so cost efficient that the very cheapest widgets come from very far away, part of understanding and, and being not so dependent on shipping, which means you could be really rocked when energy costs go up, well, that means considering onshoring or maybe what we might call friend shoring so, so that everything required to assemble what it is that you sell and need goods you need to move around, all that, all that distance around the planet is much reduced. And maybe some unit rates are higher, but there's less energy, at least in terms of the shipping and stuff that you might need to use, and you'd be less dependent on foreign energy generally or, or unfriend, unfriendly shores <laughs> potentially. That, that might introduce at least some stability and at least a great story of staying out of conflict zones, et cetera. At some point, you have to invest into how you manage this risk. You can't be excellent at managing risk and, and carving every single penny and pence out of the unit rate of producing things, right? It requires some investment. And some of that, to get around this energy trouble, might involve you know, just really carefully understanding those things and building in that sort of flexibility and levers you can pull in their supply chain. So that's some great sort of proactive advice for, for, for companies to go out or people that look after suppliers to go out and try and protect themselves against these sort of unknowns. I think you run a growing business, right? So I'm, I'm part of that. So I, I know intimately what you and I do on a day-to-day -day basis. At a more basic level, if you had suppliers approaching you now with cost increases due to rising cost of energy, et cetera, what would you think your response would be? Would you, how would you deal with that? Because that's likely yeah. to be happening now to some, some companies. The first thing, I was going to say the first, thing, the first aspect I think about um, in terms of that, well, it's a macro rise for everyone. And I think what it really flushes out is that you need to have a real partnership with your suppliers and, and between the supplier and buyer because you have to endeavour to, to get the best value and lower risk together and that therefore you need that collaboration you need that openness to be able to do that and if you look at the flip side well what's the alternative the alternative is then you're going into a uh, potentially a sourcing activity uh, which is costly uh, takes a long time when a lot of the solution could be the right there in front of you with your existing supplier base. Yeah, the risk is that sourcing activity, you might end up in exactly the same place again because, like you said, it's rising for everyone, so you might not get that efficiency. Absolutely. So that, Out the frying pan into the fire. That value saving on the surface by switching supplier, let's say, may not actually be the total, <laughs> that yeah. total cost ownership of going with a, with a, or keeping with an existing supplier, which may look more expensive on the surface. So it sounds like you've got to, what you're saying there is look at, really before you leap, Look at the cost of change, right? Because the cost of change, exactly. you helping your supplier out with some bigger bills and potentially increasing your costs for a little while might be better off than you the cost of change and you going through that entire exercise, right? Which is, could yeah, be painful. Exactly. There's one concept that I've come across in the field, which is really about being a trusted buyer as well. Yeah. So it's not, all, it's not only a one directional way. There's a lot of big organisations that I've spoken to that where... They want to look like a respectable buyer, do you want to dig not into to that? mess suppliers around. My air quotes here, it's terrible. Sort of the trusted element. Do you want to dig into that in terms of what the trusted partner, trusted supplier, trusted buyer, what, what, do you want to give some context around what that means? First of all, it's really about 
communication in the first place. So there's got to be open channels of communication on a regular cadence and not only, uh, not at a pinch point, right? So that's got to be across the different roles and functions that are interacting interface between the buyer Mm. and the supplier. And, And I think that really helps facilitate what that transparency, which then gives you that trust because without that transparency, without maybe holding things back in a relationship, you're never really going to get that trust. And then how can you use that going forward to solve problems together? And you, you kind of indicated that there was less, like the trusted buyer, there was, there, was, there was more emphasis on being a trusted buyer as opposed to, do you see that sometimes skipped over? It's very much the supplier needs to be trusted. It's all supplier-centric. Is that kind of what you was getting uh, yeah, at? Yeah, I think that's the, uh, that's tends to be where, on the surface, where people look at this dynamic of a relationship, mm-hmm. right? It's always the supplier needs to be the, the trusted part of that partnership yeah. and, and less emphasis is really thought about well, what does it take to be a good buyer? Yeah, how do I make this supplier successful kind of thing? Yeah, exactly. We, we, we see that a lot right? in terms of we ask them to do a lot of things, but what's my, what's my skin in the game and that's sometimes overlooked? That's the one thing. So I want to, I think Tony's spot on. Part of the investment is not just investing in frameworks and policies and stuff, but it is investing in that relationship. If you have invested in the relationship with your supplier, your supplier with your, with your buyer, then that's something to draw upon when times get a little tough. So the challenge is, of course, the enterprise has devoted, limited, and resourcing into the building and main, establishing and maintaining those relationships. That's manual work, right? But I think the pattern we see in the market is until that supplier costs us a certain eye-watering amount, we will not break off the time of a professional to engage with them and build a relationship. We will not have time, and therefore it's essentially transactional, <laughs> except you know, by and large, I'm painting with a broad brush right here. So that's a shame. And we've seen the, the returns that can be reaped if you find ways, modern ways, to engage those suppliers at much bigger scale and, and rely on some you know modern methods and tools to do that sort of thing so that there is a history, a fact-based conversation to have, a relationship on to some degree that makes sense for the, for the tier of vendor that they are um, to your organization. To keep up with the latest Brooklyn Vendor Assurance news, subscribe here and follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. Links in the description below.